our introduction, as always, um, two phrases to remember anytime that somebody asks you what Leviticus is about. Uh, one, be holy as I am holy. And we're actually going to read that verse uh, this week. And then holiness always looks strange from the outside. It always denotes separation or difference. Um, it, is, it is about being distinct from the people around you uh, in important and uh, abiding ways. Um, I, I had a, uh, a thought uh, as I was reading through the material, um, both before this, uh, this week's stuff and then uh, after it. Um, this book, more perhaps than any other in the Old Testament, is about being careful in handling your relationship with God, right? And uh, uh, how you treat the name of God how you treat the idea of God's presence, how you um, how you interact with God. It emphasizes the, the vast weight and power and transcendence of God in, in comparison to us, uh, in comparison to people. Uh, and I read, uh, I, I was looking on Twitter, which is always a mistake, uh, and Rod Dreher, uh, who's a, Rod Dreher, who's a, a Catholic, uh, a, a writer, a conservative writer, and, and uh, he uh, tweeted, um, why is it that um, I, I can laugh at a joke that a comedian tells about God, right, that an atheist comedian tells about God, but a, a transsexual person won't laugh, that they'll get very offended. Um, and I thought, having read Leviticus, Rod, it's because they believe their religion, and you don't, right? If if you if you thought that God is who He said who He says He is, there wouldn't be anything funny about it. God's not your buddy. Um, he is the the infinite power that made the universe and sustains it and keeps it. And if we really believe that, that's uh, a challenge to me. Like, how would I act differently? Um, to towards my brothers and sisters of Christ, how would I act differently in my relationship with God? Um, and in every moment where I handle the name of God or, or teach in the name of God or uh, pray, how am, I, um, how am I handling that name with care? So in any event, um, so I, we're going to read uh, today a, a section of Leviticus that is it's like a mini Torah. Um, so it contains um, a bunch of, of different rules and regulations for community life. Um, and then, uh, but, but as we go through, I want you to think of a few things. And I guess, uh, Josh, can you, everybody be patient with Josh, uh, who is standing in for Richard tonight. Um, so I don't have to do my slides myself. If you can go to God's character. So we're going, to work, we're going to work our way through this material um, and talk about uh, some of the um, what some of the language means, what some of the rules are. But as we go through, I want you to think, uh, like, what does this say about God's character? Because in Leviticus, right, and I've said this before, we, we can't just read Leviticus and say we should do this. Because God's speaking to a specific people at a specific time in a specific place with a specific purpose. He's preparing them to be his family. right? He, he's saying, I'm going to come and live among you. 
um, you have a great destiny. You're going to number like, like, like the stars, right? You'll be like the stars, he said to Abraham. Your family will. And so if that's true, and they're going to be his people, uh, then they need to live in certain ways so that they understand who he is, right? And, and we know, having the benefit of hindsight and the rest of the Bible, that the special destiny, it, one, one part of it at least, is to produce the Messiah, right? The deliverer of all the world, who then brings all of us into God's family. Um, so, uh, just a few different thoughts here. One, the Levitical system. Everything we've been reading about these sacrifices and then the, the holiness code we're going to read this week, it, it emphasizes order and uh, what Honda, my employer, calls sustainability. Um, right? Sustainability is the idea that uh, you, ever, you ever have a, something you're doing and you, you think, I can't keep doing this forever. Right, that's a way of saying this. This just isn't sustainable. Like I'm not able. I'm not able to work 18 hours a day, um, or I'm not able to not uh, only eat at four in the morning. Right, it's not sustainable. Um, so, and in in the business world, that means things like, are we getting our parts from people who don't use slaves? Are we, you know, uh, are are we, you know, it, a, a bunch of different things like that? Um, are we working with suppliers that we trust and we know that they? Um, they keep our information safe. That, a whole host, bevy of things that make a relationship with somebody sustainable. And that, that stuck out as, at me, at me as, a, um, as a concern of Leviticus, right? Is that um, God wants to have this sustainable, long-term, eternal relationship with his people. Second, uh, it emphasizes the difference between the Israelites and other cultures. Leviticus doesn't exist in a vacuum, right? Which is is why so many of the practices in it that we find strange uh, are are actually a commentary or a command to not be like the people around you, right? Um, and we're going to see things like uh, it, it, there's a part of the holiness code that's directed at priests that says don't don't trim your beard, like, don't cut off the corners of your beard. And you might say, well, why on earth would, would God care about that? Um, and it's because the people groups around them, that that was what priests did. They they trimmed their beards and then they threw the, the hair and the hair into a fire, and that was part of their sacrificial process. Um, hard to get into the mind. I said this before. The past is another country. Uh, it's hard to get into the minds of the ancient the ancient Israelites and other ancient Near Eastern groups and understand what they thought. But if it grew to them, it signified life. Uh, and all of your life belongs to God, especially as a priest. So you keep growing your beard. Don't it, you need to look like ZZ Top at, at the end of, of your life? Um, was kind of the idea. Uh, so next up, second, uh, God cares about separation, and He expresses that concern with separation through a, a few different things. One, we've read over and over and over again through the last four weeks about this concept of purity and cleanliness, right? And not uh, not hygienic cleanliness, like, oh, I'm going to wash my hands before I eat, uh, or, um, you know, take a shower after I go work out. Um, it's more uh, ritual cleanliness, right? So we have all of these, all of these sacrifices, and before most of them, um, Aaron or the, the, the priests will, they'll wash the ark with blood, or they'll cover the altar with blood, which um, we know is not like 
that, that ain't that ain't so great. That's not how I'm, I, I'm not going to get a big a big bucket of blood and clean off my kitchen counter, right? It's not hygienic. So it means something else, right? It's the communication of, of like life force or energy uh, in, into that that space. It's it's the, the ritual cleaning of it, so it's ready for the presence of God. Uh, and that so number two concepts of sacred space. I'm going to read you a really interesting passage when we get to uh, verse 19, 19 uh, of Leviticus, which is about not wearing mixed fabrics. And it's always like, well, everybody's wearing polyester and cotton and all kinds of stuff. Nobody cares about that now. So why did God care about it? Um, and it, it has to do with how close you are to God, how, how, how far into sacred space you have penetrated. And I'll, I'll read that in a few minutes. And then finally, uh, the idea, this idea I'm talking about, that the closer you draw to the presence of God, the more separate and different you have to be. So I don't know if you remember this because it's been several weeks, but the high priest, he wears on his, uh, his our translation calls it a turban, but um, it was probably like a miter or like a, a hat. And he's got a plate on there that says, holy dedicated to Yahweh, right? He was bearing God's, he was literally bearing God's name. Next slide. Third, God cares about life and order. To the ancient mind, uh, certain substances like blood uh, and parts of the body, hello, suggested the idea of life force, right? They communicated the idea of life. And then certain uh, ideas and concepts are emphasized or a part of the law because of the idea of order or rightness, um, right? And to an Israelite, the key story was Eden. And, and the question was, how do we get back to a state where everything's like it was in Eden? How do we restore order? Um, and we're going to see that a lot, of, uh, a lot of these laws are uh, set up as pro-Edenic, or that they're, they're resisting forces that would make the world not like Eden anymore. So, next slide. All right. I was going to say this, this topic's not very sexy, but it actually has to do with, it's about sex. So, um, let's, turn to, let's turn to Leviticus chapter 18. Uh, and I want to apologize before I read this, because it is a lot of obvious stuff to us. Um, I, I would... Uh, emphasize to you that if God took the time to tell the Israelites not to do it, it suggests that maybe somebody was doing it and they should not. Um, and so uh, we're going to read through this until I get embarrassed uh, and then we'll skip to the end. So it could, could be very quick. Um, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, I am the Lord your God. After the doings of the land of Egypt, wherein you dwelt, shall you not do. And after the doings of the land of Canaan, whither I bring you, shall you not do. Neither shall you, neither shall you walk in their ordinances. You shall do my judgments and keep mine ordinances to walk therein. I am the Lord your God. Right, so right away we have this idea, right? He's saying, don't do what the people around you do. Don't do what they did back in Egypt. Don't do what they do in Canaan where I'm taking you. And why? Because I'm your God and I said so. You shall therefore keep my statutes and my judgments, which if a man do, he shall live in them. I am the Lord. None of you shall approach to any that is near of kin to him to uncover their nakedness. I am the Lord. 
uncover their nakedness is a euphemism for having sex with that person or with somebody that that person is closely related to. So if you said, uh, if X and Y were married, I was going to use real names for a minute. Oh my goodness, don't do that. Uh, <laughs> if X and Y were married and you said, uh, you uncovered X's nakedness, it means that you had sex with Y. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, the nakedness of thy father's wife shalt thou not uncover. It is thy father's nakedness. The nakedness of thy sister, the daughter of thy father or daughter of thy mother, whether she be born at home or born abroad, even their nakedness thou shalt not uncover. And one thing I want you to notice is we're kind of progressing through this. Right, it starts at the most fundamental blood-related family relationships that there are, uh, and then it lists, like, uh, basically everybody that you don't have sex with, <laughs> and, and it gets all the way down to like, uh, well, we'll get we'll get there, but it's people you're not related to except by marriage, right? So it progresses from specifically related by blood all the way down to these are people that. Hey, maybe you have a question about it, but don't, don't do it anyway. Um, and it, the purpose of this, God's purpose in giving this command, one, as I said, usually you don't tell people to do things if, um, if they weren't doing it, right? If somebody wasn't out there doing it. Like, for instance, I'm not aware of any, uh, I'm, not, I'm not aware of any command in the Bible to not engage in cannibalism. Um, but... I mean, if you think about it, um, maybe it's so obvious to everybody that you shouldn't do it that people were like, God, God said, hey, I, I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to spell this out for them because it's so obvious. But in any event, um, the, the, the purpose of the verses I'm reading, right, that, that structure, is to fortify the family unit, right? God's making them his family. He's, and, and he wants them to be sustainable. He wants them to live on into the future. He wants them to become a race of people who bear, uh, who bear witness of him, a kingdom of priests, but also who produce Jesus Christ. And if, if you think about any of the sexual relationships that we've been reading about here, they'd cause a big problem in a family. Right? You, have, you have these clan groups that are in, isolated in small places all over Israel. They're going to disperse. There are a couple big cities, but mostly it's people who live, you know, maybe you live out in the country with just your immediate family. Um, and if, if all of this starts, I mean, we, we know also right, that there are genetic problems and all kinds of other things, but just from a, a social cohesion or social, like the social glue that holds together Israelite society would start to disintegrate uh, if, if these relationships uh, started to become the norm. So let's, I got embarrassed, so let's go ahead and skip down to verse 20. Oh, no, the, the um, verse 18. Neither shalt thou take a wife to her sister to vex her, to uncover her nakedness beside the other in her lifetime. So if you you must marry two sisters, wait until one of them's dead, uh, is, the, is the advice. Um, Moreover, thou shalt not lie carnally with thy neighbor's wife to defile thyself with her. That seems like an obvious one also. Um, 
So, right, and we're getting, the, your neighbor's not even related to you, probably, but my, like, by definition, in this, it, it doesn't say your neighbor's your uncle or whatever. So, we've gone all the way from um, mother and father all the way down to neighbor, and all of those are prohibited, right, for, for the purpose of creating a family that doesn't have strife within it. Uh, and I'll, those are what I'm going to call, because the scholars call natural relationships. Um, and then if we look at verse um, 21, it starts to describe unnatural relationships. And it says, And thou shalt not let any of thy seed pass through the fire to Molech, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. You say, well, what does that have to do with, with the, the sexual ethics that came before it? Well, in uh, the Canaanite religion, there were basically two gods, Molech and Shemosh, both of whom demanded human sacrifice. Um, and we, we don't know this, but because of where it's placed, uh, it seems like that probably had a sexual component as well. So, gross, I know, but it's, uh, this is all part of not being like the people around you. Neither shalt thou lie with any beast to defile thyself therewith. Uh, yeah, duh. Um, 24, defile not ye yourselves in any of these things, for in all these the nations are defiled which I cast out before you. And the land is defiled, therefore I do visit the iniquity thereof upon it, and the land itself vomiteth out her inhabitants. And he says, don't do, any, don't do any of these things, because the reason I'm bringing you into the land to kick these people out is because they did them. Don't be like them. Uh, and then he, he says, if you do it, I'll get rid of you too. <laughs> that's, that's, the, that's the end of the chapter. All right. Um, so let's, oh, and there, there are actually two concepts. I don't know. Uh, under the, the sexual ethics piece, if you could show those real quick. Gosh, I'm sorry. There we go. So there, the two words under A and B are, uh, they are, uh, Hebrew, uh, they're transliterated obviously, but sheer means close relations. Uh, it's uh, that like six or eight, that set of six or eight people that you that are described uh, in the section we just read. And it, we know that they were important or that like that characterization of them was important because if we were to go forward to Leviticus 21 we would see that um, a priest is forbidden from touching anything dead, but those six or eight people he can touch and he won't be defiled because they're his closest relatives. Right? So that, that family group is so important. Uh, and then uh, erma, it just means prohibitive, act, prohibitive activity. It means don't do it. Um, so it's, a, it's a, a command or a prohibition against doing something. And then I said uh, all of these, obviously they, they, they align with God's nature, which is to uh, emphasize order and sustainability and the fact that these people are in his family. So let's go to chapter 19. Um, and I've, I've only got sections here, but I may read the whole thing. Uh, and the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto all the congregation of the children of Israel, and say unto them, Ye shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. Ye shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. There's a reason that command is first. 
it's because the, the organizing unit of civilization, especially Israelite civilization, is the family. Right? If, if you um, can move people to a state where they don't respect mother and father and they break down the social, they break down the family, you have succeeded at breaking down the social order. You shall fear every man his mother and his father and keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. Turn ye not uh, unto idols, nor make to yourselves molten gods. I am the Lord your God. And if you offer a sacrifice of peace offerings unto the Lord, you shall offer it at your own will. And Josh, let's go down to verse 9. Uh, and when you reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of thy field, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyard, neither shalt thou gather every grape in the vineyard. Thou shalt leave them for the poor and, and the stranger. I am the Lord your God. And so we have here not just a commandment to not do a thing, but, but a commandment that is part of a social welfare program, right? The, um, anybody know the story where this is especially important? Ruth. Uh, boom, he's got it. Yes, it's Ruth, right? Remember, Ruth is, is both a stranger and a widow um, and goes to glean in Boaz's field. That, that's exactly what's happening here. And it also gives the landowner the opportunity, as Boaz did, to say, let a, let a little more fall for her. Right? And they would go behind the gleaners and pick up well, what was left. Um, you shall not steal, neither deal falsely, neither lie one to another. And you shall not swear by my name falsely, neither shalt thou profane the name of thy God. I am the Lord. And notice there, it doesn't say not to swear by his name. It says, and I don't mean like a cuss word. I mean swearing an oath. Um, it do doesn't say not to do it. It says don't do it falsely. Uh, we'll have Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount saying, don't swear at all. Right? Neither by heaven nor, nor earth uh, or by Jerusalem. Right? He goes on and on. Uh, but at least for the Israelites at this time, it was like, if, if you swear by the Lord's name to do a thing, you better do it. Don't do it falsely. Thou shalt not defraud thy neighbor, neither rob him. The wages of him that is hired shall not abide with thee all night until the morning. Thou shalt not curse the deaf, nor put a, a, a stumbling block before the blind, but shalt fear thy God. I am the Lord. Now th this is one of the very, very few uh, ancient texts that we have that has anything to do with people who are, are disabled at all um, and about how to treat them. Uh, in places like Sparta, uh, if you were blind, or, or other parts of Greece, Athens, and other places, if you were blind or deaf, you would be left out and exposed uh, as an infant. Um, but right, the, the command here is don't take advantage of people who are, are different, uh, what we, we would call them differently abled. Um, it's, like I said, one of the very few ancient texts that talks about like the ethics of how to treat someone. 15, you shall do no unrighteousness in judgment. Thou shalt not respect the person of the poor, nor honor the person of the mighty, but in righteousness shalt thou judge thy neighbor. No, notice what it says there. Our, our preconception or our, uh, our bias is to favor the poor. 
right, if they're in a court setting, to say, well, this poor person can't, probably can't even afford a lawyer. They've got a public defender defending them, or they're representing themselves. But God says, no, justice is the concern that you should have, not, not whether somebody's poor or rich. You should treat the poor, or you should treat the poor as fairly or unfairly as you're going to treat the rich person. Um, 16. Thou shalt not go up and down as a talebearer among thy people, neither shalt thou stand against the blood of thy neighbor. I am the Lord. Thou shalt not hate thy brother in thine heart. Thou shalt in any wise rebuke thy, thy neighbor and not suffer sin upon him. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people, but thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. I am the Lord. Uh, okay, and here, here's the really weird uh, section everybody always has a question about. Uh, thou shalt not let thy cattle gender with a diverse kind. Don't let your cattle... Um, don't let your cattle uh, mate with anything that is not cattle. Seems easy enough. They don't. I, I doubt they're interested. Uh, and then he goes on. Thou shalt, uh, thou shalt not sow thy field with mingled seed. Neither shall a garment mingled of linen and woolen come upon thee. Why? Anybody have any guesses about why that is? Uh, that that's the that's the answer that is I think is probably right and is given most often right is that it's an example of uh, the kind of separation that God expects. Uh, I read something though that I want to read to you guys that I thought was super interesting um, and kind of a it um, put a, a different spin on that concept to me that I uh, I had not heard before. This is a guy named Jacob Milgram. And he says, um, so his, his basic concept is that mixing of fabrics, mi mixtures were for sacred space. Mixtures are for the temple. The closer you, only God has the ability to, to knit things together that way. And so the closer you get to God, the more mixture there is. Um, and I'll, I'll read this and you'll, you'll perhaps understand it a little more. He says, it is of utmost significance that the cherubim flanking the ark were mixtures. So we, everybody's got in their head Raiders of the Lost Ark right now, right? You've got the, the ark and it's got the, the two angels with wings that are basically uh, pretty lady angels like we have on greeting cards and whatnot. And their wings are touching. Well, cherubim are, we, um, we have them, uh, we have pictures of them from Assyria and from other, uh, other, uh, ancient Near Eastern cultures, and they always look like sphinxes, right? So they're like uh, men-headed lions uh, with maybe wings on their backs, right? They, they, look, they look like a mixture of things. It says, um, it is of utmost significance that the cherubim flanking the ark were mixtures, uh, and that's according to Ezekiel 1, 5 through 11, as were the divine guardians in Mesopotamia. Um, this is the initial indication, which will be corroborated in the two following prohibitions, that mixtures belong to the divine realm, on which the human being, except for divinely consecrated persons, the priests, may not encroach. The most favored prohibition against mixtures is that of a violation of the order God brought into the world by separating species. 
that theory could explain the mating prohibition, but it has no relevance for the following two prohibitions about mixing seeds and clothing. Um, as explained above, the most plausible explanation is that mixtures belong to the sacred sphere, namely the sanctuary, as do its officiants, the priests. Thus, the lower cover of the tabernacle and the curtain closing off that part of the sacred enclosure are a mixture of linen and wool, according to Exodus. The high priest's ephod, the breastplate, and the belt contain the same mixture as well. Right, so immediately you have this, this order not to mix fabrics, but earlier on in Exodus, and even in Leviticus, the priest is told to wear a garment that contains mixed fabrics. For the ordinary priest, this mixture is limited to his belt. So the high priest has this, an ephod and a belt that are mixed fabric. The priest only has a belt. And the Israelite is conceded this mixture by the insertion of a single blue thread of wool in his linen tassels, or in his linen tassels as recognized by the rabbis. So that a regular run-of-the-mill Jewish person would wear a robe with tassels that had blue in it, one thread of blue. So he's wearing mixed fabric as well. Um, in other words, having this one tassel go through the clothing of the average Israelite made them part of the more sacred group, even though they were lesser. They were still the people of God, and if they were pure, they would still be on sacred space, or at least parts of it. Ordinary priests had more mixture in their belt, but the high priest had all kinds of mixtures because he was the most holy. He was the closest to the most sacred areas. The argument here is that this mixing of cloth and textures would have been associated with sacred space. Um, um, a connection, okay, so whenever Israel sees the blue thread in any of, whenever an, an Israelite sees the blue, tassel, the blue thread in any of his tassels, the high priest's tassels, or their own tassels, he is reminded of the blue cord banding the plate that bears the inscription, Holy to Yahweh, on the high priest. And thus he is constantly called to seek holiness by fulfilling divine uh, commandments. Comparing what the high priest wore with what normal priests wore, with what the average Israelite wore, even though there, were, there was only one thread running through their garment, there were mixtures, and they were according to degree. The greater the degree of mixture, the closer to the most holy place that the person could go. So the mixing of the cloths is about sacred space. Uh, and just one more passage from this. Israel is commanded to be holy, but is warned that it is not allowed the privilege of breeding different animals, sowing mixed seed, or wearing fabrics of mixed seeds, for these are reserved for the sacred sphere and in the case of clothing to the priests. The mythology of the ancients was rife with mixtures, hybrid animals, guarding temple entrances, and flanking royal thrones. Uh, they are biblical allusions to this background. Cherubim, cherubim existed in Israel's cult, more precisely, inside the sanctuary in woven form. So inside the sanctuary there are tapestries and depictions of cherubim and actual, like, uh, 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 on the ark they're depicted. Being ensconced inside the sanctuary, all these cherubim were visible to only priests, so only priests can go in there, and the cherubim inside to no one who were admitted to their presence because they too, wearing garments and mixed seeds, symbolically become cherubim. Uh, so in other words, the, the priests go into the sanctuary and they take on a part of, they become part of God's entourage. They, they become his throne guardians uh, and part of the heavenly court, just 
by virtue of having this, this mixture of fabrics on. And so the command here is, don't just run around wearing, like that's, that's special, that's, that's for a sacred place. Right? It, it is to denote how separate I am from you, and the closer you get to me, the more I'm going to command that you mix these fabrics together so you can enter my space. I, I just thought that was really an, an interesting way of explaining it, um, especially in, in light of all the other uh, applications in Leviticus to, to sacred space. So um, let's continue. And let's go to, sorry, 21 through 5. And the Lord spake unto Moses, uh, saying, Again, thou shalt say to the children of Israel, Whoever he be of the children of Israel, or of the strangers that sojourn in Israel, that giveth any of his seed unto Molech, he shall surely be put to death. The people of the land shall stone him with stones. And I will set my face against that man, and will cut him off from among his people, because he hath given of his seed unto Molech to defile my sanctuary, and to profane my holy name. And if the people of the land do any ways hide their eyes from the man, when he giveth of his seed unto Molech, and kill him not, then I will set my face against that man, and against his family, and will cut him off, and all that go whoring after him, to commit whoredom with Molech from among their people. And the soul that turneth after such as have familiar spirits, and after wizards, to go whoring after them, I will even set my face against that soul, and will cut him off from among his people. So the, the concern here is with um, like divination, and like in other religions in that area, you would go to a guy and he would look at tea leaves or rooster guts or whatever, and he would tell you what was going to happen to you in the future. Um, and he would, you know, pray to whatever god he worshipped, 